To concentrate the mind, one must observe a life of celibacy and not fall down. One must undergo the austerity of voluntarily giving up sense enjoyment. One must then control the mind and senses, give charity, be truthful, clean and non-violent, follow the regulated principles and regularly chant the holy name of the Lord. Thus, a sober and faithful person who knows the religious principles is temporarily purified of all sins performed with his body, words and mind. These sins are like the dried leaves of creepers beneath a bamboo tree which may be burned by fire, although their roots remain to grow again at the first opportunity. Purport. Tapaha is explained in the Smriti Shastra as follows. Manasash chendriyarnang cha aikagriyang paramang tapaha. Complete control of the mind and senses and their complete concentration on one kind of activity is called tapaha. Our Krishna consciousness movement is teaching people how to concentrate the mind on devotional service. This is first class tapaha. Brahmacharya, the life of celibacy, has eight aspects. One should not think of women, speak about sex life, dally with women, look lustfully at women, talk intimately with women, or decide to engage in sexual intercourse, nor should one endeavor for sex life or engage in sex life. One should not even think of women or look at them to say nothing of talking with them. This is called first-class brahmacharya. If a brahmachari or sannyasi talks with a woman in a secluded place, naturally there will be a possibility of sex life without anyone's knowledge. Therefore, a complete brahmachari practices just the opposite. If one is a perfect brahmachari, he can very easily control the mind and senses, give charity, speak truthfully, and so forth. To begin, however, one must control the tongue and the process of eating. In the bhakti marga, the path of devotional service, one must strictly follow the regulated principles by first controlling the tongue. Sivun mukhehi jivado swayameva spuratyadaha. The tongue, jiva, can be controlled if one chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, does not speak of any subjects other than those concerning Krishna and does not taste anything not offered to Krishna. If one can control the tongue in this way, brahmacharya and other purifying processes will automatically follow. It will be explained in the next verse that the path of devotional service is completely perfect and is therefore superior to the path of fruitive activities and the path of knowledge. Quoting from the Vedas, Srila Viraraghava Acharya explains that austerity involves observing fasts as fully as possible. Tapasanashakena. Srila <clears throat> Rupa Goswami has also advised that Atyahara, too much eating, is, a, is an impediment to advancement in spiritual life. Also in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Yuktaharavi. Yukta Haraviharasya, Yukta Cheshtasya Karmasu, Yukta Swapnava Bodhasya, Yoga Bhavati Dukha. He who is temperate in his habits of eating, sleeping, working, and recreation can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. 
In text 14, the word dhiraha, meaning those who are undisturbed under all circumstances, is very significant. Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, Natras Parshas to come to ya, Shito Agama Paino Nityas, Tangs Tetikshashva Bharata. O son of Kunti, the non permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their disappearance in due course are like the appearance and disappearance of winter and summer seasons. They arise from sense perception, O scion of Bharata and one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. In material life, there are many disturbances, adhyatmika, adhidaivika, and adhibhotika. One who has learned to tolerate these disturbances under all circumstances is called dhira. Umagyanatimirandhasya gyananjana shalakaya Chakshurinilitamyenatasmaishrigurvenamaha.namashrishtamanumapishatchiputramatrasvarupa.rupamtasyagayamurupurimatrimgoshtavatim.radhakundamgirivaramaho.radhikamadhavasampraptoyasy
about advancing spiritual life. These principles are outlined or mentioned in relation to the path of knowledge, but they're also <coughs> applicable in the path of bhakti yoga. Srila Prabhupada quite often quoted these first two lines, especially tapasa brahmacharyana shamena chadamena cha. He often quoted and explained that. And I also wrote a book, Brahmacharya and Krishna Conscious, in which I attempted to explain these topics in quite some detail. So often when I'm asked to speak on these topics, I say, just, just see the book. Pretty much what I had to say is in the book. If I was to, yeah, I might revisit it and add some things at some point. Let's see. <clears throat> but still, uh, it's good to discuss these topics from time to time, as uh, Srila Prabhupada did. Of course, in this purport, the eight aspects of Brahmacharya are mentioned. And so many other topics are mentioned in this verse, but this is the only place in Srila Prabhupada's books where these eight aspects of Brahmacharya are mentioned. Srila Prabhupada in talks, in two talks, both given in 1967, uh, discussed these eight aspects and also gave the, the Sanskrit. So this is from a talk that he gave on January the 4th, 1967. Oh, okay, that's good, yeah, thank you. Let's move this to one side and this to the other side. Yeah, I want to keep that also. So this is 1967, Srila Prabhupada's preaching in the West. He's got a foothold, we can say, it's in New York. And he's really, at this point, teaching the devotees to be devotees, to graduate from their hippie life. They're devotees, but they need a lot of training, a lot of instruction. So Srila Prabhupada is quoting in this talk, it's a talk on Bhagavad Gita, chapter 10, text 4, from Bhavartha Deepika. Who knows what Bhavartha Deepika is? Anyone? Commentary, yeah. Anyone like to say? No? Commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam by Srila Swami. Thank you very much. So Srila Prabhupada is reading out the Sanskrit and summarizing. Uh, this is from, yeah, this same section of Bhagavatam that we're reading. Tattu nityam apramata shanaya labate nanya iti sadrashtantam aha neti patyam evanam ashnataha purushan yatavyadhayona badhante tatani amadi kartak shemaya tatva gyanaya samarto bhavati. Srila Prabhupada summarizes all of this by saying, therefore, following the regulative principles, anyone who is following he becomes able for progress in spiritual marga, in the spiritual path. So yeah, these things are needed for 
advancement in the spiritual path. We hear often, Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Haryan Nama, Eva Kivalam. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can break the four regulated principles and chant Hare Krishna and still make positive spiritual advancement. Hare Nama Eva Kevala means the path of chanting Hare Krishna. Over this is discussed in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explains that three times, Nasjeva, 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 three times it is stated, no other, means not by karma, not by jnana, not by yoga, only by bhakti, which by Harinam and Kali Yoga. So it doesn't mean that we avoid all regulated principles. That's a misunderstanding. Then Srila Prabhupada goes on from Bhavarata Deepika. Etad eva vishadeyati dvabhyam tapasa. Tapasa means ekadashi, tapasya. <coughs> Interestingly, Srila Prabhupada, in, he was in New York and in the beginning, before anyone was initiated or anything, he would have people coming, he would give them prasadam, engage them in chanting. He didn't give many rules, but Ekadashi, that was from the very beginning. Ekadashi, that one should not take grains or beans. Tapasa means Ekadashi, tapasya. Tapasa, austerity means that one should be determined. In this life I must complete Krishna consciousness. That is tapasa, and for this purpose, whatever I have to do, I must do. <clears throat> so we can see this is a long, a long way from just chant Hare Krishna and be happy. In the beginning, come along, just come, chant, eat. But Prabhupada's really giving the essence now of what it means. So this is suitable for devotees who really want to be serious, and Prabhupada is saying that. Everyone should be serious. Manasas chendriyanam cha aika gryang paramam tapaha iti smite he. Srila Prabhupada comments, aika gryam. Anyone know what that means? They have the word almost the same in Bhagavad Gita. It means focus, literally means focus. Aikagra means the first class tapasa duty is to fix up the senses and the mind in devotional service. That is first class. My mind is trying to enjoy something, but I'll not allow the mind to enjoy that thing. I must engage my mind in Krishna. Manasas chendriyanam. And when, if, you can fix up your mind in Krishna's service, then all the senses, our hands, legs, eyes, ears, they will also remember it. But if you cannot control your mind, then the other senses will not be possible. Paramam, so therefore try to control the mind that is first class austerity. Continuing from Bhavata Deepika, Manasas Chendriyanam Cha Aika Gryang Paramang Tapaha Iti Smite. Hey, repeating that. Brahmacharyen Ashtangena Tad Uktam Smaranam Kirtanam. Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya means controlling the sex life. That is called brahmachari. One brahmachari, he is completely celibate life. That is brahmacharya. Another brahmacharya, ah, the, so yeah, the, the first principle, or the generally understood principle, Srila Prabhupada says, is celibate life. 
another aspect of brahmacharya. Aha, now I see one. Another brahmacharya, the secondary brahmacharya, is to remain satisfied with one opposite sex, not varieties. Today I have sex life with this boy or girl, again next day another, another, again another. That was very common, Srila Prabhupada found, in the Western world at that time, especially when the young people and at this time also. And that is not brahmachari. But if one sticks to one, therefore marriage is recommended. That is brahmachari. That is also brahmachari. So in the Shastras, uh, and then Srila Prabhupada quotes, uh, again from Bhavarata Deepika, uh, and yeah, these are the eight aspects in Sanskrit. Smaranam, Kirtanam, Keli, Prekshanam, Guhya, Bhashanam, Sankalpo, Dhyavasayas, Chakriya, Nivritir, Evacha. Etan, Maitunam, Ashtangam, Pravadanti, Manishinha. Viparitang, Brahmacharyam, Etad, Evashta, Lakshanam, Itishamo, Manasoniamanam, Damo, Bahyendriyanam, Tiago, Danam, Yamo, Hingsadi, Niamo, Japadihi. So we may wonder why Srila Prabhupada glossed here yama. The words are here are yama and niyama. So the five yamas, prohibitions, and five niyamas, they're understood a little differently in different schools, but that's famously in the Yoga Shastra, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So don't steal, don't lie, this, this. Srila Prabhupada has given yamena by avoiding cursing and violence, and niyamena by regularly chanting the holy name of the Lord. So, how is that? He's taking it from Sridhaswami. Yamo hingzadihi. The, the yama here, the prohibitions, means no violence, and niyama chapadi, japadi, chanting the holy names. So he's taking it from that. So Srila Prabhupada goes on. So the tapasya life begins from celibacy, brahmacharyana. Shukadeva Goswami recommends. Brahmacharya is described in the Shastras that smaranam, kirtanam, keli, prekshanam, guhya, bhashanam. Sex life, smaranam, thinking of sex life, that is against brahmacharya. Complete celibacy means one should not think of even sex life. Smaranam, or talk of sex life. That's, uh, yeah. Kirtanam, smaranam kirtanam. These words are given. So smaranam, we know that word very well because that's what we're supposed to do, right? That's what we're aiming at. And kirtan, we know very well. We're supposed to glorify Krishna. But here, in the discussion of brahmacharya, smaran and kirtan, these are two things which are forbidden. Remembering women, that means deliberately holding in the mind. Or kirtana. Here Srila Prabhupada Gosses is talking about. It may not be glorifying, but just talking about. Smaranam kirtanam keli preksha. Our modern literature, Srila Prabhupada says, newspaper and everything, simply full with talks of sex life. But this is against brahmacharya life. Smaranam, kirtanam, 
Kaylee, and actually indulging in sex life. Kaylee means playing, so it's like flirting, we can say. Prekshanam, looking, overlooking a nice boy or nice girl. So it works both ways. Generally, this, the Shastras are mostly, especially those aiming at Self, directly aiming at self-realization. That's on the jnana marga, the yoga marga, bhakti marga. They're mostly written for males, living beings in male human bodies. But it works both ways. Prakshan, I'm looking at an... Oh, nice, good. No, that's also against brahmacharya, Srila Prabhupada says. It can be very difficult. How are we going to stop? Vishnu Chagwar Thakur, we find in one comment right here in this Bhagavatam 6th canto. Uh, how will we stop seeing women? What should we do? Go to the forest. If, or you want to be more extreme, you can uh, work out how to do yoga and hold your breath practically unlimitedly and go underwater. Right? How about that? Well, it not, won't necessarily work because Sobari Muni, to get away from everyone and everything, went underwater, but then he saw the fish engaging in sex life and he started thinking, well, looks pretty good. Maybe I should try it out. So the mind is with us, but Vishnu Chavari says, if we, we can't avoid seeing women. It's not, we shouldn't deliberately... What's the word? There's a word in English, ogling. There must be some word in Croatian also. Ogling means looking lustfully and shamelessly. Ah. So one should not do that, but one cannot avoid. So Vishnu Chagwar Thakur says that how one can avoid being attracted. And he gives the example that just like on a fast day, one makes a resolve to not eat. And then if you see food on a fast day, then it should be that you don't feel attraction to it. Because anyone fasting, so I, I can't enjoy it. Uh, if you have the idea that I'm not going to enjoy it, sankalpa, then one's not attracted to it. Just like uh, the vow to take only so you may walk past the ice cream shop and you, but no attraction or some chocolates or the uh, Cadbury's chocolate whatever but no attraction because we already decided we're not going to eat so it's, it's a very good system for cutting it out so you decide when we're not going to engage in sex life and we see women and we're not attracted that's, that's the formula given by Vishnu Chakravati. Guham Bhashanam, whispering between girls and boys. That is also against Brahmachari. That means Guham Bhashanam, talking in private, literally means talking secretly. Uh, sankalpam, Sankalpam means, just so he's using that word, Sankalpa, the determination not to engage in sex life, protects us. But then, sankalpa, one can decide, okay, I'm going to engage in sex life. 
So this is against the principle of brahmacharya. This is one of the eight aspects. Vyavasaya, endeavoring how to, making endeavors to engage in sex life. Endeavoring how to affect. So when we can stop all these activities, that is real brahmacharya. What do you all think about that? What does Srila Prabhupada say next? It is very difficult at the present age. Doesn't mean we should give up, but Srila Prabhupada makes that comment. Etad Maitreya in the, in the uh, Ajamil section of Bhagavatam, which we're just beginning here. We haven't quite come to it yet. Then it's described how Ajamil's mind became disturbed by seeing a low-class man shamelessly indulging in sexual proclivities with a low-class woman, and his mind became agitated. But Srila Prabhupada, you see it on the street. It's just everywhere in the modern age, so it's very difficult. Etad maitanyam ashtangam pravadanti maneshinaha vikarita brahmacharyam etad ashtanam lakshanamiti. Brahmacharya means that you cannot think of sex life, you cannot talk of sex life, you cannot whisper about sex life, or you cannot endeavor for sex life. These eight types of activities in sex indulgence <coughs> are against brahmacharya life. But here it is prescribed that if you want to make a solution to the problems of life, then you have to adopt a life of tapasya, austerity, which begins from brahmacharya. To summarize the brahmacharya life in this age, we have given a simple formula. No illicit sex. That's it. That covers everything. Sex is there. Sex is not bad. In the Bhagavad Gita it is said, dhamavi ruddha kamosmi. Sex life which is not against the religious principles of life, that I am, Krishna says. So dharmavi ruddha, according to Vedic civilization, one should have sex indulgence only once in a month. That is the prescription. And when the wife is pregnant, there is no sex life. That is dharma viruddha. That is not against the religious principles. Even in your married life, if you indulge sex life more than once in a month, or in pregnancy, there is, that is against religious principles. Oh, that, actually that's early 1967. Where are we going here? Whoops. January 4th, 1967. Oh, now I merged the two talks. Yeah, I, I was reading from Srila Prabhupada. He gave uh, January 1971 and Ju July 1971. So I read, I read from the, both of those quotes. We can turn it round the other way. One should think of women. All brahmacharis should think of women, speak about sex life. The highest level. Think about the gopis. Talk about the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. That even we're warned against. Not to jump in. Foolishly. Because... It is sex. Sex is the highest principle. Love. 
Adi Rasa. It's love. In this material world, sex and love, people can't work out the difference. There is no difference in the spiritual world. In this world, there is lust. And because lust seems, or love in this world, uh, is intertwined, love between male and female in this world is intertwined with lust. So we are enjoined to be careful in hearing about the pastimes of Krishna with the gopis, with the queens, because to us it might seem like lust or it might awaken our deep-rooted lusty desires in our heart. If we hear Shadhanvita with great faith, the same word is given in this verse that we read today. If we hear with great faith about Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, that can clear the disease of lust from the heart. In this regard, Srila Prabhupada warned that be careful. He quoted this and he warned, be careful. If you feel that you're becoming materially agitated, then stop it. So it is the formula given by Shubhadev Goswami. But we have to check our own uh, mind and, and see if we're becoming disturbed. As Srila Prabhupada stated here, it's very different, very difficult in the present age. It's uh, <clears throat> still to some extent understood <clears throat> that uh, monks here in the Western world, if we say someone is a monk, it's not expected that they will be uh, living with women or having girlfriends or any such thing. <clears throat> Illicit sex is very much part of the way of life in the Western world. It was in 1965 when Srila Prabhupada went there. That was in 1966. He was in New York. And it's very much part of the Western world. Maybe this was Yugoslavia at that time. Maybe it wasn't so prominent here. I don't know. But it was very gross. Well, especially among those, uh, the hippie class, in, beginning in the 1960s in America. And that wasn't much appreciated by the mainstream, but gradually the mainstream died out and the, the hippies became the mainstream. So it's quite normal and accepted now. Previously, there could be no question of the President of the United States being a, a divorcee who's remarried, but that no one even makes an issue of probably, but most people don't even know about it because it's so normal. The, the, in the last century, in the 1930s, I believe it was, one king of England had to abdicate and to give up his post as the king because he married a divorcee. But now the present king of England is married to a divorcee and no one thinks anything of it. It's just okay. It's just, no, well, that's the way people live. <clears throat> But for a, for a monk or, a, or someone who's taken that vow, religious vow, that's not considered at all good. 
In India, we see that still sannyasis, uh, the highly respected, generally speaking, among Hindus, at least. But if it's found out that a, if a sannyasi is having illicit sexual relationships secretly, then he becomes totally despised, very much. Uh, if, if anyone else is having illicit sexual relations, that's, that's not considered good. But for someone who's, who's being respected like that and who's supposed to be a spiritual leader, that's considered very, very bad. So this orange cloth, it's, it's or saffron cloth, it should be worn with great care. Here in the Western countries, people don't know, they don't care so much. But in India, if, if before a devotee is given, allowed to wear saffron cloth, they have to be in the ashram for, for quite some time, it has to be seen, their behavior is ideal, and it's generally understood that they shouldn't marry after that. Although some do. It's not the same as taking sannyas. Literally. And for those who are not within Iskon, who don't, who don't know that you can be a... I'm talking about in India now. Who, who don't know that we have the system that brahmacharis also wear orange cloth. Then the, the brahmacharis outside there are considered, they're treated the same ways as sannyasi. So it, it's, a, it's a great responsibility to live up to that. Uh, and practically there are so many uh, brahmacharis who, the, who have, have been spiritual leaders, leaders of spiritual organization, organizations. Uh, their names are famous within certain communities. Mahanambrata Brahmachari, Pranavananda Brahmachari. It's, they didn't literally take sannyas, but they, they, uh, they took the vow of Brahmachari, and that's, that's, it's considered the same thing. If you wear saffron, it's considered the same thing. It's different in our risko. <coughs> This life of celibacy, everyone should practice in Krishna consciousness. It's expected that those who live in the ashram as brahmacharis, they practice strictly. But it's for grihasas also, because no one can make spiritual advancement without that. And for women, their vow is to be attached to one man only, their husband. And of course, their father, their sons, but their, of course, their relationship with their sons is via their husband. And when they're married, they leave one family and join another. So they still have their father, but their mooring, their, their social position and their Psychological position is supposed to be as servant to their husband, and in that way, 
they get all the benefits of following Brahmacharya. And of course, one man, they don't, they're not uh, looking here and there for different men. So they get, the, if their husband is following, especially if their husband is following very nicely and strictly, then they, it's just by serving they get the same benefit. Although we do find examples in the Vedic literature, even the husband is not following well, when the woman is very chastely serving him, she's also greatly benefited by doing so. Yes, yeah, so it's difficult in the modern age, the whole atmosphere is different, people don't understand it. <clears throat> uh, rather they think that they, then people are more inclined to think there's something wrong with it than right with it. And even people who in India, they're very respectful to brahmacharis and sannyasis, but they don't want their sons to become brahmacharis and sannyasis. I think that's the worst thing that could happen to them. There are some cases where they do want their sons to be brahmacharis, but mostly not. <clears throat> So it's, you could say it's a lonely path in as much as you can't mix freely with everyone. It's not only not mixing with women, but not mixing with worldly-minded people. <clears throat> but it shouldn't be lonely. There should be a group of brahmacharis who can uh, interact with each other. I was just listening to a recording of devotees speaking of his memories of Brahmachari life in the 1970s, how books, they say, just absorbed in books, distributing and reading, that's all. They would read together, or they'd read on their own. One devotee, he was distributing books at Chicago O'Hara Airport. It was very good for distribution, but very tough also. But Atlanta Airport was considered the best. So he got he applied for a transfer. He said, Yeah, okay, but if you want to do if you want to go to Atlanta, we keep that for the very best, most dedicated. So you've got to do seven days a week, twelve hours a day. Long hours, hard work, no pay. <laughs> Seven days a week, twelve hours. That means they'd be out early to catch the, the early, there's an early morning rush. Uh, they'd be out by seven o'clock and they'd come back by seven o'clock. We don't see that nowadays. Even uh, one devotee was remembering that Srila Prabhupada came in the airport. They were distributing books there, so they greeted Prabhupada and all the devotees were there, they went off with Prabhupada to the temple and they just stayed at the airport and went on distributing books because they thought this is the way we serve Srila Prabhupada. They also said when Prabhupada left they didn't feel that kind of ripping separation as so many other devotees did because they, from the very beginning their training was to serve Srila Prabhupada in separation by reading his books and distributing his books. So they just went on. They got the news and then they just went out on book distribution. That's what we do. So there are a few thoughts about that. There could be many questions about this. Often when I'm asked questions about brahmachari life, 
It's this, the answer is already there in that book. <laughs> so, any questions, comments, objections? Yeah, please. Yeah, before a couple of days, you gave a lecture, I think, in Darwar, and you said that uh, even we don't know how much we are deep in Maya. And uh, I, we don't know how deeply we're in Maya. Yeah, and we also don't know how much we're advancing in Krishna consciousness. How about that? To offset that. <laughs> because we are rising early every, every day, we're chanting, we're following to some level. So we also don't know how much, we don't know how far down we are, we don't know how far up we are. <laughs> Somehow I know that I'm deep in Maya. And, uh, you are deep in Maya, but... <laughs> But you're going up, <laughs> and you're, you're going up, and you're getting the mercy of the Vaishnavas, Hari Guru and Vaishnavas. But still I cannot understand one verse, what we wrote before a couple of days in Srimad uh, Bhagavatam, the third canto. They explained that in uh, Vaikuntha, it's Grihastas coming together in a ship, I say. Yeah, the Grihastas, they ride in an airplane. And uh, they are not interesting for some... Uh, and they're, they're enjoying each, each other. And uh, the, the next verse said, uh, even when something like this, when a woman looking at herself in uh, uh, water, and it's not much, be much more beauty than a ki was kissing kiss from a husband, actually from Krishna. And uh, maybe if we can... It sounds this. like, uh, it sounds almost like mundane sexual overtones in Vaikuntha. But explain that uh, uh, actually uh, all this, uh, uh, this is Lakshmi's because uh, the, 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 these wives, it's uh, in Vaikuntha, yeah. From, uh, from Krishna. And I'm thinking, why they need the men? Why, why do you need a man? Can imagine that you well, let's. Why do you need a man if you're just serving Krishna? Why do the women need and, a man? man well, that's wife. that's Krishna's arrangement. That there is man and woman. It begins with him and Radha, and it goes in the spiritual world also. There's manly psyche and womanly psyche, but it's centered on Krishna. Why are they kissing? Exchange of affection. It's, that's what I was saying in, in the talk I just gave now. It's difficult for us to understand because our consciousness is so deep in mind. We, we see it in terms of uh, mundane enjoyment. Srila Prabhupada writes there's no sex life in Vaikundra. In, in, uh, in I believe that's in Madhva Vijay, the, the life of Madhva Acharya. There's something to, to the effect that there is. But I won't get into that. If it is, it's exchange of affection. It's not exploitation. It's hard for us to understand. And then above Vaikuntha is Vrindavan, Golok Vrindavan. There are also husbands and wives. And we may say the gopis, their husbands, they're like shadows. They're, but 
but there's Nanda and Yashoda, the older cowherd men and women. So that's there. Ah. My question is can book distribution be too exclusive in certain circumstances where there are many, uh, not many devotees? For example, can book distribution be too exclusive in some circumstances where there are not many devotees? For example, if you have. Well, uh, there are only three devotees. We're just like on a traveling sanctum party, three devotees. And everyone says, I'm only going to do book distribution. And then no one's going to do shopping for boga. No one's going to prepare any meal. Then it becomes impractical, doesn't it? So, do the needful is also a motto. <laughs> Then, you were going to ask something. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for the lecture. Uh, in the verse, uh, it's mentioned the principle of non-violence. And recently I stumbled upon a quote from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, in which he says that a misplaced display of humility mm. is an act of violence towards other living beings. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said that misplaced, viol misplaced humility is an act of violence toward other living beings. Shed some light on it. Well, anything which doesn't benefit others or help them to come to Krishna consciousness is an act of violence. In, in, at least in a, what can we say, passive violence. That there, are, there are crimes of, what is that? There's, Crimes, crimes of commission and crimes of, what's the other word? Omission, yeah. So we, it can be a crime if we do something wrong and it can also be a crime if we fail to do something which we should do. Especially misplaced humility when, when, uh, when someone makes a show of being humble but they're actually not, then it confuses the whole issue about what humility is. And by... My own experience in Bengal is that um, it's because the descriptions are there of humility in Vaishnavism, then we see that to even make a show of humility is considered Vaishnavism. So actual humility is lost under the show. And people think that, just like for instance, I still remember when I was quite new in Bangladesh, going to Anam Yagya, which means a professional groups are called to chant Hare Krishna. It started in Iskon now also. Uh, people are called and all their expenses are paid and they're given something, some money. So, uh, seeing one man putting chandan sandalwood on the other man's head, and then they embrace, and then they both collapse on the ground in ecstasy. But it's not ecstasy, because they're both fish eaters. So where is the ecstasy? Doing your gig, and when it's over, you go off, and the first thing, smoke a birdie. Because it's, it's a two-hour gig, and you couldn't smoke for two hours. So this show, of, and in the gig, it's... Oh, 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 big show of bhav, but 
And then when their two hours is over and the next group's not ready, then they look angry because they have to go on chanting because you can't stop. They just, then they stop all the show and they're just standing there just doing it as a formality because they have to keep the non-stop kirtan going. So this is a kind of violence because it misrepresents what actual Vaishnavism is. Any questions from the ladies? Which kind of lady are you? <laughs> Gopi in Vrindavan. If anyone, especially in a male body, tells me I am a Gopi, I become doubtful. <laughs> one of the most lionized devotees in our movement who's passed away now. He's openly said, actually, I'm a gopi. Yeah, then? Yeah? One talk of Mahotsarapu, I heard that you did observation in our society Because devotees, they're, they're taking his karmic grace, prepared for karmic grace, prepared for karmic. Mm. That's that our society, such situation, like standards going down. Standards going down because people are supposed to be devotees are eating food, especially grains cooked by non-devotees. Yeah, well, that's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said. Bishoyer onna kaile molin hoimon. The mind becomes contaminated if we eat food of sense enjoyers. So, Krishna consciousness is a science. Our mind will become contaminated if we eat food cooked or even given. And that, that used to be the culture by materialistic sense enjoyers. So Hare Krishna, we'll finish there for now. All glories to his divine grace, Srila Prabhupada.